0: It is a joy and a privilege to be able to make much of the good news that we have. That we do get to gather together and have tidings of comfort and joy that we get to share with one another. Because God has done something for us that we could not do on our own. He has given to us something we could not gain. And this is of great worth and of great value and of a thrilling hope for you and I. If you have a Bible, please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to consider verses 18 through 23 as we continue on in our Advent series this morning. A thrilling hope for a weary world. So far we've canvassed all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis 3. We saw a dark day, and then we, we saw that that dark day led to a bunch of gloom and anguish in Isaiah 8 and 9. And now we are entering into the New Testament as we're moving through Scripture and the history of God's revealed Word to see the arrival of this great hope. Today it is a thrilling hope announced. So let's read that. Let's follow along. Matthew chapter 1 starting at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. God, we thank you that you are indeed with us, that you were with us on that glorious night and morn. You're with us now through your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. You're with us, and I pray that you'd be with us now in this hour as we consider this your word. And so would you be with us in the preaching, the hearing, the receiving, the believing, the trusting, the clinging to, the loving, the holding up and holding out of this your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We live in a weary world. And we have considered that over the last couple of weeks. We've considered what has contributed to the wearying weariness of the world in which we live. I just needed one more W. We started in Genesis 3 in that darkened day in which sin was entered into humanity and this world. And then we saw the, the draping gloom of sin That hangs over us in Isaiah 8 and 9. And together these days, Genesis 3 and Isaiah 8 and 9, show us that that one dark day has contributed to produce more dark days. And these dark days are wearying days. And so it is important for us as a series entitled A Thrilling Hope for a Weary World. It's important for us. To see and feel and sense the scope of our weariness and the entrance of sin, the fall of mankind, and the ongoing consequences in this fallen world. But to leave it, to leave it just at the scope level, wide breadth. And not zoom in, not drill down to the personal level, would be to leave our hope just as far away. And so, we need to see, know, believe that this wearying world is because we, you, Me, ourselves, personally, are beset with sin. And this sin is our greatest problem. It produces our greatest debilitation. And it is our greatest threat. Therefore, the hope that we are making much of in this series must not just reach far and wide in scope, but must also drill down deeper than our personal actual sin. The hope we see that thrills must thrill in depth also. That's why its announcement at the advent of Christ is so significant for you and me. Because what comes with it is a thrilling hope for you and me right now. Right now, this day, this morning, this moment, it is a thrilling hope for you and me. Not just a thrilling hope for some future date. A thrilling hope right now. Because you and I, we have right now sin and we need right now hope. And the announcement of the arrival, the advent of Jesus, brings us that right now hope. In a sense, this sermon is really based off of one important pronoun. He will save them from their sins. Their sins. Personal. Real. Deep Actual. And so. My hope as we consider this. Together today is that the announcement. Of the advent of Christ. Shows us. And compels us. All the more. To see. First the problem of sin. You might be thinking okay. (laughs) Yeah. But we have to drill deep. We need to. See its scope. And then we need to drill deep. The problem of sin. And then the purpose of Christ. The problem of sin. And the purpose of Christ. It all hangs here. Our hope. A thrilling hope. A thrilling hope for right now. Our right now moments and lives. All hangs on. He will save his people. From their sins. So let's work through that together. First is the problem of sin. If you are a note taker, you could write this down. The problem is not blank. The problem is not blank. Whatever you want to put in there, in that blank, that's not the problem. The problem is not, first of all, it's not external. The problem of sin is internal, not external. The problem of sin, your sin, my sin, is an internal problem, not an external one. When the angel said their sins, he cut to the quick concerning the real problem we face. The real problem that you wake up with every day. The real situation that is the heaviest part on your soul is your sin. It's not the sin of someone else. It's not the sinful, broken world that is everyone's main problem. The main problem for everyone is their personal, real, actual sin. Its nature, its attitude, its actions, all of it. It's our real problem. And if you were in a doctor's office and you were getting something very important checked out and the doctor came back and just sort of waffled around and never told you the problem, would you be helped? The answer is no. And so the angel is announcing that Jesus is coming to deal with the real problem. And oh, here's the real problem, not Rome. Here's the real problem, their sins. The problem of sin is internal, not external. And with that, the problem is thorough. Not circumstantial. It's thoroughly. Our problem. In our thoughts. In our affections. In our attitudes. And in our actions. Sin has brought wreckage. To it all. And the Bible goes out of its way to make this point for us. In Romans chapter 3, in sort of the build-up of what the Apostle Paul was doing and laying out his argument in the first three chapters, he quotes the Old Testament and he says this, No one, none, zero, zip, doesn't actually say zip, but none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. That is the problem of sin. It turns us aside from God. It it means we don't want to seek after God. We want to seek after our own comfort, our own pleasures, our own possessions, our own performance, whatever that might be. And and we get frustrated when things get in the way of our pursuits of the stuff that we want. But sin says no one seeks after God. That is our problem, it is a thorough one. It is an internal one. And as we've said before a few weeks back, your sin, my sin, our sin is unbelief, metastasizing into rejection, leading to your deathly rebellion against God. That's what it does. That's why this is such a problem. And because of its It's internal thoroughness. You and I can't overcome it. We can't clean it. We can't wash it away on our own. We can't forget about it. It's it's corrupted all of us. The whole of us. And that is then our problem. And maybe the real problem is that we can't do anything about it. We can't do one thing. To overcome it. Hopefully, we feel this and sense this the, the depth of the scope of sin that we saw over the last couple of weeks, the width of the scope of sin in all of humanity and history, but now we're feeling the personal depth of sin just even in the announcement that this angel makes about the arrival of Jesus. He came on a mission to save his people from their sins. So if we want to understand his mission work in his person and his incarnation, then we need to know then our problem. And it is deep, deep, deep problem. And while you and I, we can and do face many hardships, and while we may experience many hurts in this life, and we may even struggle having daily hope We do not face anything more challenging than our sin. Now, a couple of things to say here in light of the world in which we live in. Because of that dark day in Genesis chapter 3 and its ongoing gloom of anguish, we can experience some truly awful things. In this life, when people abandon God, the abuse of others will surely follow. That abuse will take all kinds of sinful, nefarious forms. Some here today are watching online, have experienced deep awfulness and deep hurt by the sinful actions of others or by their lack of action to protect. Our drilling down to see personal sin is not an excuse or an insensitivity to the ongoing anguish brought on by the sin of others in our sinful world. My hope, however, is that as we see how God's promise fulfilled in Christ hits the wide scale problem of sin, that it will be a hope for you right now. Even as you are reeling or still experiencing the consequences of the sinful actions of others. This will be a thrilling hope for you right now. To know that one day because of Christ there will be no more curse. And all the bad will be no more as he makes all things new. And to know this incredible hope we have in Christ also drills down to the depth of our personal sin. My hope is that it heaps on even more hope for you who are wearied in a sinful world. with sinful people have sinful things have been done to you. That God cares for the scope of sin. And God cares for your personal sin. Now. We have. A hope that spans eternity. But we also have a hope. That took on flesh and blood. And draws near to you personally. And there may be some in here. Who need to hear Both the scope and the depth of what God has done in Christ produces a thrilling hope, even in this sinful world. And while we may face some of these things done by others, we all face our own sin, which is unbelief. Moving into rejection that leads to rebellion. And God, in His kindness, and God, in His sovereignty, came in the flesh to do what we could not do, to give what we could not gain, bringing to us a thrilling hope that lasts for all eternity. The problem is indeed our sin. And yes, the world is an awful place. And awful things happen. Christ came to be victorious over this world and our sin. So let's consider then the purpose of Christ. As we feel the weight of this problem of sin. Let us consider then the purpose of Christ. And the purpose of Christ is simply stated. He will save. Why did Jesus come? He came to save. Why did God, the second person of the Trinity, put on skin and bones and enter into our humanity, into this very sinful world and experience very sinful actions? Because he came to save. He didn't just simply come to show up to tell good moral lessons and provide material for our collective felt boards. No, he came to save. He came to overcome sin. He came to overcome death. He came to overcome darkness and evil and Satan. He came to save. It wasn't plan B. He's plan A. God in the flesh. He will save. He will save. He will save. And as we then wrestle with that, as we see that announcement, he will save his people from their sins. It helps us then to take into stock how striking of a message this was in its moment. There was a salvation hoped for in Jesus's day. Not all that unlike maybe some hopes that we might have in our day. It was a salvation from small problems. Though they loomed large, overall they were small problems. In comparison to the weight and penalty of sin, these were small problems. In Jesus' day, they were looking for a salvation from oppression, but they had the wrong view of the oppressor. The Gentiles, the foreign power of Rome, was what they hoped to be rescued from. Their focus of salvation was nationalistic and political and, and sort of religious freedom. That's what they had hoped for. But in turn, it was short-sighted. It was a stunted view that led them to have a small expectation. Small problem. Small salvation. And when Jesus didn't deliver on the small problem, they didn't have any desire to hear about how he delivers on the big problem. Now, salvation, this he came to save, he will save, is actually saving from the big problem. God was set to save his people from their biggest problem, that biggest problem being sin, their sin. And it has been the thread that has bound together all of history. It is redemptive history unfolding and coming to life and fruition when the angel announces to Joseph the task ahead for Jesus. And God was so incredibly gracious to deal with our biggest problem, even like in Jesus' day, we are pilfering away our time focused on the smaller problems, not taking into account the seriousness of our sin or taking into account the overwhelming seriousness of Christ's saving work. God is so gracious. To deal with our biggest problem. Even when we have a short-sighted view. On what that problem might actually be. Jesus came. In the flesh. To save. And it was God with us. As we see. God with us. And that tells us something very important about how big our problem is. While it is a personal problem and it's a deep problem, it's also an incredibly large problem for us that it required God in the flesh to overcome it. That's how big of a problem this is. Is that we couldn't muster up some sort of system or religious enterprise to overcome this problem. It required God in the flesh to come and do it for us. That's how big the problem of sin is. Our collective strength couldn't lift it. It took God to come and shoulder it to the cross. And so when we see the depth and weight of our sin problem. For what it is. And how we can't do anything about it. Even if we got everybody together to help. How that won't matter much at all. And then it should then drive us to see how overwhelming salvation is in Christ that Jesus does for us what we would ever never ever ever have any hope of doing for ourselves he comes and he picks up a burden we could not move let alone carry and he shoulders it on to his own back And He takes it to where we could not go. And He pays for it with what we did not possess. And He gives to us in its place that which we could never find on our own. We can't stress how incredible this saving work is We can't stress it enough. We can't make too much of it. God promised. God purposed. God planned. God sent. God arrived. God accomplished. God overcame. God rose again. God reigns. God rules. God will one day return. That's the scope of what Jesus came to do. Because the scope and depth of our sin was that bad. He will save. He will save now. Now. That's why we can say this hope we have is thrilling. And while our sin contributes to this wearying world. The hope we find in Christ thrills. For all eternity. He will save. And that save is dual in nature. It's from something and to something. I have found this to be so incredibly helpful for my own heart and my own devotion and following the Lord. Is that he saves from and saves to. He does both simultaneously. Your saving from is also a saving to. And to be saved to is to also be saved from. He's saving us from... The penalty and stain of our sin. In his life, his incarnation, that is his taking on skin and bones, our humanity that led to then his crucifixion, his death on the cross, which then was validated with his resurrection, that overcoming sin, death in the grave. All of that is to save us from the penalty and stain of our sin. As the old hymn would say, Jesus is the fountain opened from which flows the cleansing flood that takes away all the guilty stains. And I love that. All the guilty stains. So both its penalty, but also the stain that it leaves behind. Christ came to save us from both the guilty verdict and its stain on our souls. So not just this weight that we couldn't carry, not just this debt we couldn't pay, not this verdict that we couldn't, uh, you know, endure, but also the stain of sin, the stuff that you are ashamed of, the things that you feel the regret and embarrassment and shame that just sort of suffocates you at times. If you're honest with yourself and honest with us even now, you may have even felt that recently. Jesus came to save you from both its guilt and its stain. That's pretty amazing. That produces a hope that thrills. And that's a right now hope. That's a right now hope. He saved us from it. And he saved us too. Then live for him. He saved us from the penalty and stain of sin, and he saved us to life, life for him, life with him, life by him. He saved us to live for Christ, and this is where hope can touch our daily lives. By means of penalty-satisfying, stain-removing, death and resurrection, Jesus not only saved from something, but also to something. To live for Him. To live knowing Him. To live worshiping Him. To live a heart filled with wonder and even thrilling hope. Because that is what He saved you to. He didn't save you to a funeral. He saved you to a resurrection. He saved you to resurrected life. Where the power of sin has been broken. And the penalty of sin has been paid. And one day the presence of sin will be fully removed. He has saved you to this life. Where sin wants to break you down to live for self. Christ overcame sin so that you could live for him. And that's what sin wants. It wants to break you down to live for self. That your goal, your aims, your motives, your desires, your hearts are all focused on living for you. Determined by you. All for you. That's sin. Christ came to rescue you from that. To show you life. And life to the full. Life eternal. He will save from and he will save to. Second Corinthians 5.15 says, and he, Jesus, died for all that those who might who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He took on our humanity. He lived the life that we could not live He died the death that we deserved. He defeated it all in a way that we could never do so that we would no longer live for ourselves as if we're ultimate, but that we would live for Jesus as if He is ultimate. Sin wants you to live as if Jesus doesn't exist, as God isn't really out there. Christ comes to rescue you to see that that's where, that He is where life is to the full and eternal. And He came and He endured All that he endured to save from and to. He will save. He will save his people. So that they will live with him at the center of their hearts, their minds, and their lives. Now, in increasing measure, and for all eternity. That's all wrapped up. In this thrilling hope that is announced in Matthew chapter 1. That angel bursting into our world in reality to say, He will save His people from their sins. When we see the scope and the depth of this thrilling hope in the advent of Christ, it impacts. Our lives right now. The way we understand who God is. You know, when that changes, guess what else changes? The way we understand who we are now. And you know what happens when that changes? The way we live begins to sound and look different. Hope-filled. Joy-filled. Beaming with tidings of comfort and joy. I know by way of practical application, I'm not giving you a one, two, three checklist, go and do. But I hope that what you're hearing is to have hearts stirred to know the magnitude of all that God has done for you in Christ. And that you would long to see it all the more in the pages of scripture and In the content and character of your life now. Because we all face a horrible enemy in our sin. And this sinful world. We are surrounded by wearying conditions in a wearying world with weariness of our own. And if we just go out of here left to our own self-centered living, all we're going to do is sink into daily despair. We can actually endure a wearying world and our wearying sin with a purposeful focus on Jesus. And there we find a thrilling hope for right now. From our personal sin to the entire cosmos, Jesus came to save. And there we find strength and courage and hope now. May we indeed find that. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do this work in us. We pray that you would help us to see not just simply the depth of the problem of our sin, though we do need to see that, but that we would see how deeper still is the purpose of Christ to save us from our sin. God, may you do a work in us and move our hearts toward you not inward toward ourselves and self-reliance, but God, would you just do a work in us right now for those of us who have been struggling, struggling with handling the wearying conditions of our world or the wearying conditions of our own sin. God, would you give us strength that can only be found in Christ? Lift up our hearts, our eyes toward you through your word, through prayer, through fellowship with your people, so that we may be strengthened with a hope That is thrilling and sure and forever. God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Before we um, head out of here, I do have just a couple of quick.